Greetings. It's a real joy to be here, and what a surprise. In many ways, I did not know I would be here, and uh, there's so many things that have happened to bring us here at this time, and now it's starting to make sense. Is Anouk watching this by any chance? I don't know where the camera is. Hi, Anouk. We love you, and uh, we're certainly praying for you. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6. If you've been to church at any amount of time at all, this is a passage that you're quite familiar with. And I'm hoping that your familiarity with it won't uh, distract you. But I'd like to just meditate on this text for a little bit with a message that I've entitled, Stand and Talk, the Essence of Spiritual Warfare. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore. Having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. If you are a Christian, if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you are a child of God, you are at the epicenter of a cosmic and horrible conflict. You are there right now. You must stand and talk. The Scriptures say that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, that which is seen, but that which is unseen. And that term, wrestling, is an is a illustration or a word picture of a very personal, intimate grappling, something that applies to each one of us individually. It's a very personal sport. Some of you have been involved in wrestling or 
uh, jujitsu or martial arts where it's very personal and there's a lot of personal contact. That's the imagery that Paul is wanting you to get right now because he wants you to feel involved. You're involved in this. And it's intense. When wrestlers would wrestle before uh, a powerful potentate, they would uh, sometimes be given a great price if, if they, they would pay a great price if they lost. Often, the loser would get his eyes gouged out. So imagine wrestling, knowing that if you lost, your eyes would be gouged out. It's no longer a sport. This is a serious issue. You are fighting for your sight afterwards. You are giving all your might against someone who wants to do the, uh, the same thing to you in order to prevent the same price on him. So every one of us, says Paul, are, every one of us is involved in a wrestling match. Against who? Four terms are compiled together here to describe our foe. Rulers, authorities, principalities, and powers over the cosmic powers, spiritual darkness. Just a few observations about these. Our enemy is supernatural. That's why it's not against flesh and blood. There is supernatural opposition to us. Not only that, the terms in verse 12 say that they are authorities and rulers, which suggests that they have many beings under them. So they have a lot of rule and they have a lot of freedom and they have a lot of authority to tell uh, uh, beings under them what to do and who to attack and where to go. Not only are they supernatural, not only are they authorities, but they're, they're, they are myriad. We don't know how many millions of beings they may be. We know that in one demon-possessed man in the Gospels, when the Lord confronted him, he said, My name is Legion, for we are many. That was all in one human being. That is who we are wrestling against. When is this going on? Clearly, Paul the Apostle thinks that in all circumstances we will face this. In verse 16, he says that you might be able to quench uh, the sword, uh, the shield of faith would quench the fiery darts. In all circumstances, you take up your shield. So wherever you are, if your wife has, uh, potentially has serious cancer, if you are in financial difficulty, if you are in a happy moment in your life and going through a, a time of ease, wherever you are in all circumstances, you're in the epicenter of a terrible conflict. Another way Paul says that in all circumstances, he says, pray at all times. Verse 18. But the key to understanding where this is happening and how this is happening is in the phrase in verse 12, the heavenly places. The heavenly places. Paul uses this term several times in the book of Ephesians. You can turn with me to chapter 1 if you want and kind of follow me as I point these out. But what are the heavenly places? 
You must not think of something that is up there, way above us. That if you could get in a rocket and go through the clouds and keep on going, eventually you would arrive to the heavenly places. That would be the wrong way to think about the heavenly places. The heavenly places is the spiritual world, the spiritual realm. Okay, we are walking about in the heavenly places right now. We just can't see it because we don't see that which is unseen. But in the heavenly places, the spiritual realm, these things are, uh, this battle is going on right now, even as I speak. Paul uses it in verse 3 of chapter 1 when he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, say it with me, in the heavenly places. Again, he uses it in verse 20 of chapter 1. When he says, and I'll just pick up right in the middle because that's where the verse picks up, that he worked in Christ, God is, worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand, say it with me, in the heavenly places. Or look at chapter 2. Verse uh, 4. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him, say it with me, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look at chapter 3. In chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, To me, says Paul, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, that is those of us who are believers, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Those are the rulers and authorities that we wrestle against. Those are our foes. Right and when? Right now, it's going on. Right now, God wants to show His wisdom. Right now, in our circumstance, wherever we find ourselves, God wants to show His wisdom right now in the spiritual realms to these uh, authorities who may have millions under them, to these rulers who may have millions under them. He wants to show His authority to them. It is in this realm which we are wrestling. And then, after verse 12, Paul switches metaphors to try to explain what's going on. He goes from an athletic metaphor, wrestling, to a military metaphor, When he says, take up the whole armor of God. Twice he uses that expression, whole armor of God. The metaphor, all the scholars agree, is making a direct reference to the Roman soldiers' uh, armor. They were the uh, world power, and they had all the highest technology. They had the latest that was available in weaponry and in armor. And uh, a Roman soldier looked very frightening and was awe-inspiring. He had a massive helmet. He had a a breastplate which covered both front and back. 
and it was heavy. He had a belt which probably went obliquely across, which was where uh, his uh, uh, identity was marked, what, uh, what the group he belonged to, what his rank was, and so on and so forth. He had shoes that uh, a lot of the barbarians that they fought did not even have shoes. Uh, this man was very well equipped with shield and sword. He was an imposing person in his whole armor. Did you notice that I said whole armor? Because Paul emphasizes that, take up the whole armor of God. Now we need to be very careful to not uh, piecemeal this uh, uh, metaphor and break it up in pieces. It's not like when we take up the armor, we can't say, oh my, I hurried through devotions. I was in such a hurry. I left the house with righteousness and salvation, but I totally forgot truth. You can't do that, okay? It's, it's, you just can't leave part of it. The whole armor is what the metaphor is. I, in real life, we might do that. One time, my son and I were rushing to uh, the bicycle store, which was about 10 miles from the house, and we jumped in, went to the bicycle store, and uh, drove the 10 miles, got out, and when I got out, I looked down, and I, I had no shoes on. Just my socks. Couldn't believe it. I've never done that. I'm only in my mid-40s. This shouldn't be happening. And uh, so I looked around, what am I going to do? Uh, and there was a shoe store, a boutique, expensive shoes, whatnot. So, but I, I walked into the store and uh, said, uh, I need shoes. And the lady didn't even bat an eye. She looked down and said, I see. <laughs> I said, I just, I just need to buy whatever you got, the cheapest thing you got. And that fits me, and uh, uh, she found some sliders for about $45. I put them on, walked out. Now, you're going to judge me. I know you're going to judge me, because after I did my business, as far as I know my wicked heart, I truly did not like those sliders. So I, uh, I went back to the store and said, can I return these? And uh, she said, yes. So I returned them, got my money back. And I walked out of the store without my shoes on. Now, my boy uh, uh, never, normally is not very embarrassed by me, but that day he walked as far behind me as he could. <laughs> but the whole armor of God is the metaphor. You can't have part of it and some of it uh, and, and uh, forget the rest of it. The whole armor of God is uh, the metaphor that we need to understand. And it was a wonderful contrast to what the barbarians had in that day. I'm going to pick that up in just a minute, but I want to set the scene a little bit more. What is going on right now in the heavenly places? We know that there's warfare going on. What kind of things are going on? Chapter 3, verse 10, hints at it. God is showing through His church His manifold wisdom. In a way, and I say this reverently, God is bragging to the powers. It happened in the Old Testament. Remember the story of Job? There was a great courtroom meeting in the heavenly places. And all the angels were gathered before the throne of God, as was Satan. 
And there was this, I don't know what all the discussion and conferencing was going on about, but I know one thing, Satan showed up, and God said, have you considered my servant Job? Have you seen him? Just kind of like boasting about this man who is righteous and who has never turned against God. And Satan said, well, yeah, of course he's righteous. You pampered him, you spoiled him rotten, you give him all kinds of things, you protect him. Satan said, you even put a hedge around him so that he can't be touched. And God said, okay, have at him, just don't kill him. Remember that? That happened in the Old Testament. God said, have you seen my servant Job? Have you considered that? He wants to put Job on display. And what God is doing right now Brothers and sisters, right now, God is putting his church, you, on display before supernatural, powerful, demonic beings boasting in his wisdom and in his glory. That's what's happening right now. So when you became a Christian, here's what happened in the heavenly places. I think some of you may think, well, I am, no one knows me. I became a Christian in the middle of the night, all by myself, opened my Bible, prayed, trusted the Lord, and no one knows me. I got news for you. Jesus said that when one sinner repents, the angels in heaven rejoice. So you might have thought you were all alone and no one knew. You don't know how many millions and millions of beings knew. There was a loud rejoicing and a celebration that happened in heaven when you repented of your sin. What happens is, when you trusted in Jesus, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, in the heavenly places, Jesus said, I am blessing this person with all of the spiritual blessings. You don't think the angels saw that? The angels saw that, both the good angels and the fallen angels. What happens is, in the heavenly places where Christ is seated at the throne of God, when you trusted in Christ Jesus and became a Christian, you became seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You thought no one knew. You think, man, no one really knows that I'm a Christian. I'm a, and, and, I mean, I've got a few friends. I'm not very popular. Not many people know me. You know, I only have uh, uh, three Twitter followers. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm just not known at all. I'm here to tell you, you don't know how well-known you are. Not only are you known by millions of angels, but you are most wonderfully known by God Himself because in Christ Jesus, you're seated with Him. Now, what that means is, brothers and sisters, the reason we are facing opposition is because we're seated in the bullseye. We're seated right in the middle of the target. It's not because you're so awesome or I'm so awesome that these powerful supernatural beings are like, oh, we got to fight him. Oh my goodness, he put some armor on. They're not doing that because because you're amazing. They're not afraid of your use with the sword. No, the the, the reason you're, you're even focused upon, 
the reason why you are uh, in the uh, heat of the battle and getting darts uh, thrown at you and the reason why you have this oppression that's being centered on you is because you're right in the epicenter of the battle. You are seated with the person and the Lord that they hate with a vile hatred and would destroy if they could, but they know they can't. You're right in the middle of it all. At the focal point of it. And the Lord is saying over and over and over and over again, have you considered my church? I think it's interesting with this in mind that Paul doesn't say, attack. March forward. Onward, Christian soldiers. Some people like to say, uh, and I'm not going to dispute this too aggressively, but some people like to say that uh, we're, the breastplate just covers the front and not the back. Uh, that is disputed. It was just the armor, uh, body armor. And uh, we got a sword for moving forward and offensively. But we're not told to move forward. We're not told to attack. I mean, let's get real. How many of us know how to fight these beings? Really? You're, we're more like uh, Don Knotts with the one bullet and his gun like this. Right? That's who we are in the face of opposition. We're, we, we're, just, we're just told by Paul four times Stand. Remember one time I was on a church uh, volleyball team, and I got on there for two reasons. They they didn't have enough players, and I was a pastor, so they didn't want to offend my uh, offend me. And um, uh, I uh, and all these guys thought that I I could not play softball. And the reason they thought that is because I can't. Uh, and so they were trying to decide where I ought to go, and the guy said to me, the guy in charge said, you go out into left field. I said, sure. So I trotted out there with my glove, and when I got out there, the guy said, no, left field's over there. Well, whatever. When I'm on this side, it looks like the left side, but whatever. And so they put me over there, and on the other side, and the guy that's in the center field, he said, uh, just move back a little bit. So I moved back. And uh, he said, move over a little bit. So I move over. I'm ready. Move back over ready. Pretty soon I started, and he said, and then he said, just stand there. I started realizing, wait a minute, I'm on the team, but all they want me to do is stand. They don't, not, they don't even want me to make an attempt at trying to catch a ball or throwing the ball. And uh, I wasn't feeling very flattered, to tell you the truth. But I'm, I'm glad to tell you that on Christ's team, we're just told to stand. And we're told to stand in the Lord. See verse 10? Stand in the Lord and in the power of His might. Why? Because the armor of God is a metaphor for God Himself. Paul was a Jew writing to Gentiles 
who were not familiar with metaphors about God. But the Jews were uh, familiar with metaphors about God being the shield. In fact, it says in Psalm uh, 18, uh, God is my shield. It says uh, in uh, Psalm 27, the Lord is my fortress. So the Lord God is our shield and our fortress. These kind of metaphors were used over and over again. The Lord is my rock, which was Second uh, Samuel 22 in a lot of places in Psalm. This was a, a metaphor for military power or military uh, dominance or military protection. So Paul is speaking to these people saying, the Lord is your armor. This is, armor is alien to you. We're not going out to fight against uh, demons with our own righteousness. Our own righteousness is pathetic. We have the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. The Lord is my righteousness. We're not going out with our own sense of truth. Our truth is pathetic. Our sense of, of and our understanding of the truth is pathetic. The devil could out debate us and he could manipulate us and, and uh, confuse us. No, the Lord is our truth. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is the rock on which I stand. The Lord, the Prince of Peace, is my peace. Yes, once I walked according to the Prince of the power of the air and according to the uh, Spirit which works now and the sons of disobedience. But now, by the grace of God, I've been blessed with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, seated at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. God is declaring His wisdom through His church, through me, in the heavenly places. And in the heavenly places, I'm the focal point of the enemies of God. And they are in awe, just like a normal person would be in awe at this Roman soldier. And they're not in awe because of me. They're in awe because of God. They can't be in awe of anything else. These are superpowers. They're in awe because little you and little me are together in the armor of God. Stand there. We don't like the stereotypical lazy worker that all he does is stand and talk. But guess what? Paul says, in this conflict, stand in the Lord and in the power of His might and talk. Four times he uses the word prayer in different ways. Talk to God. About what? Well, everything. In all circumstances. When? All the time. Talk to God. Talk, talk to God. There's a horizontal, a vertical talk where we're told to talk and, and, and you see a horizontal talk where he says, pray for me that I may have utterance to uh, talk. We're praying for you, Anuk, that you would have that uh, uh, boldness to talk horizontally. But uh, stand in the Lord and in the power of His might and then just talk. That's what Paul's saying. Talk to the Lord about everything and in all circumstances and pray to God. Now, the motif of standing in Christ and talking is seen in other ways throughout the entire Bible. One of the most vivid ways is in 2 Chronicles 
when they took the choir out first before the enemy armies, it says, when they began to sing praises to God, the armies were routed. But in the New Testament, particularly in Paul's writing, we see this sequence, this motif of getting your place in Christ and then talking. In chapter 4 it says, you have not so learned Christ. You've taken out Christ, now speak the truth to one another. In in chapter 5 he says, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That's getting in Christ. And then what's the next verse? Addressing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Philippians chapter 4, you see this said another way. Where he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm at the epicenter of the battle. There are millions and millions and millions of powerful beings, all of them more powerful than me, that uh, are uh, wishing to destroy my Lord. And therefore, since I'm seated with him, I'm at the target point. They see me as weak. They sneer at me. They laugh at me. I'm in the epicenter. But you know what? I am rejoicing in the Lord. It's not talking, when Paul says that in Ephesians 4, it's not talking about an emotional switch that you turn. It's talking about a decision to engage your mind in the benefits that you have in Christ Jesus. And so, if I, when he says, take up the armor of God, he's not saying, okay, you got to go out there and literally address yourself one way. It's saying you make a decision to engage your mind in what you have in Christ Jesus. And when you are in Christ Jesus, you are in God. And God is your armor. Talk now. Talk. Talk. Well, Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say always rejoice. And then it says right after that, make all supplications and prayers and all your needs known to God with thanksgiving. Are you feeling defeated today? Stand in Christ and talk. Are you feeling afraid of the future? Stand in the Lord and in the power of His might. Engage your mind to embrace the things that God gives you through Jesus Christ and talk. Pour it all out to God. Are you feeling weak? Stand and talk. Are you feeling confused? Stand and talk. Are you feeling criticized, maligned, misunderstood? Stand in the Lord and talk. And you will hear the hiss of the darts as they are extinguished in your shield of faith. Well, I want to close this meditation by reminding us of another popular passage with a very interesting military metaphor. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Makes me to lie down beside the cool waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Here it is. He has prepared for me 
Here it is. In the presence of my enemies. A table. A banquet. He has prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. A banquet. It's almost comical. Here are these raging, screaming, demonic opposition. Picture it. It's all going on. They're shooting at us. They're charging us. And we're having a sandwich. Just eating. But we are feasting on the Lord. I like to think of the communion table as a literal, a physical reminder of the table that the Lord has prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. Because communion is both an act of standing in Christ when you take communion, you're standing in Christ. Visually, you're standing everybody. I stand in Christ. I've got financial difficulties. I've marital problems. I've got stresses going on. I've got all kinds of bad things happening in my life. But I stand in Christ. And at the same time, you're proclaiming the Lord's death. And that is the thing that the demonic powers hate to hear about the most. The death. By which, according to Colossians, we who were dead in our trespasses and the uncircumcision of the flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of the debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. Listen! Listen! Everybody listen! He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Stand and talk. 